Welcome to Group Talk, a monthly podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Happy October, Small Group Network family. We hope that everyone had great fall kickoffs and that groups are thriving within your churches. We have an awesome episode lined up for you today. Before we get started, let me tell you about a few events that we have coming up. Grow as a leader and strengthen your team and accelerate the health and growth of your small group ministry by attending one of our Accelerate Small Group Workshops. We're coming to Florida in January, Colorado in February, and Texas in March. Go to smallgroupnetwork.com slash events for more info and to lock in these early bird prices for these events. Now, in this month's episode, Carolyn Takeda chats with Nick Lindsay and Andrew Camp, who are great friends of the Small Group Network. You're going to love this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for listening. My name is Carolyn Takeda, and I am the Small Groups Pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Well, today we have a special episode, and I'm so excited because we've never tried this before, but I have two really good friends with me from the Small Group Network, and we're going to have a book discussion about a book that has been really kind of stirring our thoughts, and we thought it would be helpful to introduce to you, our audience, as well. So let me, let me have the two guys introduce themselves, and you probably have seen them on our Facebook group. Um, you might have met them at um, the lobby. And uh, Nick, why don't you get s- started and introduce yourself? Cool. Uh, my name is Nick uh, from Hoboken, uh, New Jersey, and uh, lead at a church called Hoboken Grace. I'm a community director here. been doing it for nine years. Um, I was uh, part-time starting off and working in on Wall Street and eventually got to come on full-time. Yes, and Nick's being really um, modest. He was a Wall Street financial analyst which, and making like way more money and then switched his allegiance to the kingdom of God and is so much happier, more joyful, but a little less money. <laughs> all right. I'm really banking on that treasures in heaven. Yes, and so are we. We're all all right. Um, and Andrew, what about you? Um, my name is Andrew Camp, and I'm the spiritual growth pastor at Mountain Life Church in Park City, where I've been um, here on staff for two years, been living in Park City six years. Before coming on staff at Mountain Life, I was a chef um, on Main Street at Silver Restaurant um, and love food and cooking and gathering people, which is why um, I love this book so much, too. Yes. And so we are a little diverse. As a former lawyer, we have a former chef and you have a former <laughs> Wall Street financial analyst. So it's like a beginning of a joke somewhere. Um, but um, Nick and I have known each other for years. We met in the Small Group Network eons ago, um, and it's just been a wonderful friendship that's poured into both of us. And Andrew's a newer friend, and I just love his thoughtful spirit. And he blogs for the Small Group Network. Um, and Nick, I think you've blogged once in a while, but you've been a regional leader for us, and now you're moving into a new role, uh, which has your background involved. Yeah. You don't want to tell us what that is? Yeah, sorry. I, I didn't know if you were going there or not. But, so I, I'm moving into a new role where uh, I'm, I'm helping to fundraise for the Small Group Network. Uh, just provides us with more opportunities. Uh, we're really trying to make sure that this is a global organization, and if we're going to attack this globally, we're going to need some support to be able to do it. So um just a quick plug, if your church is one that's looking for partners that are global, like reach out to me. Uh, best way is, place to find me is Facebook and that Facebook group, or uh, I think it's just facebook.com slash Nick Lindsay. 
All right. Thanks, Nick. Okay. So this book that we got excited about and this conversation came about because Nick had um, posted a picture of this book and I just read an article about it. The same one, Andrew, I think you read on the New York Times about the book and she's the author, Priya Parker. So interesting. So um, to get us started, and we're going to assume that you guys have not read the book and hopefully by the end of our conversation, you'll want to. Um, we don't know this woman at all. Um, we've just been <laughs> blessed. God uses, you know, anything and everything to move us towards him. And I believe that, you know, that, that all truth is God's truth. And so there's just some really great principles in this book. So the book is called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. Um, and here, let me just read from the flap. Um, in The Art of Gathering, Priya Parker argues that the gatherings in our lives are lackluster and unproductive, which don't, they don't have to be. We rely too much on routine and conventions of gatherings when we should focus on distinctiveness and the people involved. And at a time when coming together is more important than ever, Parker sets forth a human-centered approach to gathering that will help everyone create meaningful and memorable experiences, large and small, for work and for play. And her background, she's got an interesting background. She's the founder of Thrive Labs, which she helps activists, officials. She's kind of a big deal now corporate executives, educators, really wide, wide range of people. And she even specifically talks about churches, too. Uh, she's been trained in the field of conflict resolution. She works on race relations in the college campuses and the peace process in the Arab world. Um, she's half Arab, which explains that in India and Africa. Um, she studied organizational design at MIT, public policy at Harvard Kennedy School, and political thought at University of Virginia. So this woman's brilliant. But more importantly, um, she just has done a lot of work in this idea of gathering and meanings. And I loved um, one of her interviews. She said, you know, life is just too short to have mediocre, boring, conventional gatherings. And I think those of us in small groups ministry would agree with that. And we're all about making meaningful, intentional gatherings. And so Andrew recently wrote a blog article for the network um, called Start With People that was based on this book. So Andrew, you want to kick us off and kind of summarize um, for us the main point of the book and why um, you found it compelling for small groups ministry? Yeah, I, as I was reading this book, I felt convicted that she hammers home the point that a gathering is about the people we bring together and not simply about the logistical right. issues involved in bringing people together. And so um, as I was reading this book, I thought through the list of things I send to my first time life group leaders <laughs> about what they need to do right. in order to get ready. And it had nothing to do with preparing themselves or the people mm -hmm. to encounter Jesus. You know, it had to do with, you know, have name tags, have enough chairs. <laughs> right. Um, and those things are good, but they miss the point that we're in the people business, not, you know, the readying of things business. And, you know, and so I loved her point where, you know, a gathering is not about a logistical checklist of ready, you know, getting everything ready to have a perfect gathering. It's about getting people ready to encounter something different. Mm -hmm. And in our case, that's encountering Jesus, our risen Lord, um, yeah. as we gather in small groups. Yeah, and I really did um, appreciate, and you brought that out in your article as well, just the intentionality of it. Um, so, Nick, what did you love about the book? Uh, there's just there's so much I loved about it. You know what's interesting is that like I feel like it's a lot of things that we already try to do, yes. but we don't necessarily understand the why behind it or like what its purpose actually serves. And she just did such a great job of clarifying mm -hmm. um, certain roles, you know, even I just love it starts even like, what is the purpose of your meeting? And to even think about that on a small group level, like, why are we gathering? And I think Andrew just did a brilliant job of describing that, of, of that why and bringing that in there. But um, there's little things throughout the books that just really stood out to me 
um, the, the role of a host. Yes. Um, you know, she, she goes through like the entire gathering. So I'm not sure if, if we want to like go in different areas or, 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 you know, we can jump jump around because um, the host is a great one that really uh, stood out to me too. So explain a little bit her idea of the host and how that's different than what we typically think. Yeah, so you know what I really enjoyed is there's a chapter and it's called "Don't Be a Chill Host." Yes. <laughs> and um, what's great about that and what she's trying to communicate is that the role of a host is to be active, is is to sort of be a leader um, in that role, and so. She really gives out like three little pointers that that every host should have, and it's to um, protect your guests. So you're yes. going to have new people that come, and we want to make sure that that they're cared for and and they're respected. And you know, we're not going to ask them right away that first week to to pray or those kind of things that you're already implementing. Um, then there is to um, is it control? Mm-hmm. I think it was the other one was control. Um, and then the one I thought was really great was the equalize your guests, yes. um, which is to bring others into the conversation. So you can see in certain situations, um, you know, you may have someone in your in your group that is just way ahead and they're on a different level. And then being able to pull someone else up into that same level of conversation or uh, help them connect. Actually, it was it wasn't it was protect, um, equalize and um, engage. No. <laughs> oh my God. We just, how, how long ago do we read this book? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to take a second to, to check on what it was. Um, I do remember the point though on the hosting that like grabbed me and I put, I like wrote it down because I think the whole idea of a chill host is that we think you gather the people and we want them to have a good time. So we'll let, leave them to their own devices. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes we do that when we train our small group leaders, we don't, um, tell them specifically, hey, you need to maintain control over the meeting time. That letting the sheep just gather and talk about what they want to is not the plan. You are the shepherd. You get to choose the pasture. You get to decide what is happening um, in that space. And I think some, especially um, leaders that aren't as strong or as experienced, they don't, they see it as, oh, this is, I'm being caring by letting them do what they want. And then we have to kind of shift and say, no, you're shepherding, which means you do have to stay in control yeah yeah it wasn't so it was protect protect and control are the same one then it was equalize and then it was connect. connect so do these people know each other like we want to try to help them like you're the host you're the one that actually knows the two connections so help people to get to know each other was was one of the roles of the host in that yeah, and so. she, she talked about how intentional, um, even where you sit, seat people at uh, things. Um, what struck you, Andrew, other than the host chapter? Um, just, I was thinking back and, you know, like, um, that it just requires that intentionality to be that leader, but it also doesn't require uber creative things every mm. time. You know, because, you know, you read her book, and she is so thoughtful and she is so right. brilliant in this that I'm reading it thinking, I can't do that in and out. <laughs> right. But then she gives this point, she shares a story when she's having like, I think her, her brother and sister-in-law over for dinner one night and, you know, her and her husband are talking before they, they gather and she, she shares the story that they used to just set the table together with her sister and brother-in-law there. But this time she sets the table before they arrive mm-hmm family walks in and says, who's coming for dinner? And Priya shares that, no, it's you. And mm-hmm. so in one 
small, simple act of just simply setting the table for family, you make that person feel welcome. Yeah. And so, you know, it's all too easy to read this book and think, man, like, I'm not cut out for this. But it's a simple, it can be done in simple ways that are unconventional, that just grab people's heart. Yeah. Real quickly, and subtly even. Yeah, I, I was struck by that too. And I think that's one of the themes through the book where um, it's really about valuing people and yeah. sacrificing your comfort or maybe comfort of some other people um, as well if they're, you know, they need to be shook up. She talks about disrupting in a positive way. And I'm in the process right now of planning our fall small group um, leader gathering, which is kind of the twice a year we all gather. And I'm thinking, man, these meetings are, I mean, everyone's fine with them, but they're just, they're not super exciting or, you know, and I'm not super creative. So it's, um, that's a hard thing. So Andrew, to your point, I was like, how can I make this a little more interesting without, um, you know, given my temperament and my lack of, you know, out of the box thinking, but I like she gives this example that's kind of stuck with me. And now as I'm thinking about our gathering, um, she gives an example of how she was consulting. This woman consults, um, for really big scale, fancy gatherings all over the world and how to structure an environment where people can be engaged and can be receptive. Um, whether that's, you know, kind of a, tense race relations thing or whether it's a training. And so she gives an example of a training that happened at a museum um, and was to a bunch of curators or people studying to be curators in art museums. And so she was saying how... um, you know, it's just training. They're stuck in this one room. It's basically a boring meeting room. Um, and the person in charge of the meeting stacked all these chairs um, in in the middle of the room in randomness um, and stacked them on top of each other. Looked like they were falling off. So it could look like an art piece in some way if it was like modern art. But um, And then as people walked in, they didn't know what to do. And they didn't know if they should pull the chair. They kept looking at the host. The host didn't give any direction. It just allowed discomfort to be there and then eventually people are talking to each other saying what do we do with the chairs so they're bonding with each other over their discomfort um, and then they start moving the chairs out so eventually everyone moves the chair but then they don't know how to set it up um, and they're left to kind of do the circle do we the rows and then the host explains why she had them start with this exercise um, and how important space is and what they're looking at how to engage people that come to the museum with it and I thought what a brilliant example of something so simple she's just in a boring meeting room. She had to do something, but to be intentional. And then she got their attention. So instead of the typical thing we do in a large group, at least I do, I don't know about you guys, where, you know, you kind of do the thank yous, you do the prayer, you, um, you know, serve the food. So what could we do that would kind of stir things up and get people engaged in a fresh way? And I think that challenge is to value our people enough and their time enough to, to put our brains to that. Yeah. I think, well, one of the things that's just super powerful about this book is that especially for, for those of us who work in the church, we're so like everything we do is a gathering. Sunday's yes. a gathering. <laughs> the, our small groups are a gathering. The uh, meetings that we do are a gathering. And, uh, the, you know, uh, the more I read this book, I thought, oh, this is just for me for me because I'm the small group guy. And the more I've read it, the more I realized, man, I could have read this with our, our other directors mm-hmm. because there's just so many different elements that, that involve them too. It's, it's a great book to read, uh, with another staff member, um, whether it's like a hospitality director or your first impressions, um, even like arts and those other things, uh, I think are good too. Uh, there's points in there too about where she talks about like who needs to be in Mm -hmm. the meeting 
that 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 really stands out um, as well. Um, I know often we you know we want to we're a church, so therefore we have to be inclusive yes. of everyone, and we need to get everyone's opinion. And she was sharing how you know we need to get the people out that don't need to be there. Um, and and uh, in one of my favorite examples that she used too was um, the story of the nursing home. Uh, mm. Sorry, is the story of this nursing home in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And there's a music school in town. And I believe that they were up against the wall in um, uh, needing housing for some of their students. And so they started this program where some of the residents or some of the students would go live with the residents at the senior citizens home and their dues would be for them to perform for the residents. And it went really well because what they ended up finding out is that um, senior citizens really come alive and live longer right. the more they're around youth. Um, and then the music was great for them to um, experience and be entertained. But then it was great for the performance because it gave them an opportunity to uh, perform for others. But then they started to form relationships with each other. Right. And so the typical thought is like, okay, how can we expand this even more? And the thought process is like, oh, well, let's bring in different artists and stuff like that. And what they ended up doing instead was putting in boundaries. It was like, no, these are the people that, mm -hmm. that need to be there. Um, we don't want to open this up to the entire school. And so I thought that was like, there's there's just so much in the church that I can think of. of like, why is this person in this room? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, we're wasting their time and they're wasting ours. And it's just, you know, time to address that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Andrew, was there anything that you've already started to act on as a result of the book? Well, like you, I'm thinking of my training I'm going to about to do with um, my life group leaders, and it's centered around spiritual conversations. And mm -hmm. so I, I'm thinking, how do we help them even primarily as they walk in the door to have conversations that might be difficult, but then also then they can help frame the rest of the training that, like, you know, and so even if it's using North Point has these great story cards, hmm. they're just pictures yeah. and they, um, they're beautiful and they're awesome. And I've used them in my small group and they open up people because we're more apt to talk about a picture than a sentence. Um, and so like to put those on the table and have people begin right. purposefully tell people to engage a conversation around those pictures instead of abdicating my responsibility as the host to just letting conversation flow. And so um, I think just what Nick was sharing about advocating our, our role and our responsibility as a host has been huge for me just because I tend to do that out of fear or insecurity, um, you know? And so how do I really engage my people, control the environment without being a, you know, a general, you know, um, yeah. you know control in a healthy manner. Right. I think that, Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, it, just to play with, off what he was just saying, too, is later later on in the book, too, she talks about um, keeping your best self. It's just mm -hmm. called keeping your best self out of my gatherings. And what she's trying <laughs> to do is, like, we all have this networking side to us where, like, when I'm going to meet you, I'm going to tell you about all the best things that I'm doing. And so she's, like, trying to figure out ways to get to the next level in those kind of conversations. And um, I think what and the, mm -hmm. those story cards that Anthony's – uh, he's talking about from the um, from North Point is really helpful for that. We just got those two, and it's pretty much what it is—just a picture. And then you like, there's like 40 of them on a table, and you just say like, "How are you?" Like, what's the one main question, Andrew? Um, 
pick a picture that describes your life right now. Yeah. Mm. And so you're like, look at these. And then like people share some really deep stuff mm. based off of a picture and stuff like that. Like right off the bat, it's just a really great way to like it, not necessarily like throw them off their track, but like get them out of their normal routines. That, that's a great idea. Which is what she did with the idea of these 15 toasts where she's realizing, you know, like Nick was saying, we come to these gatherings with a preconceived notion and we want to put our best self forward. And that's what we're trying to work against in small groups. Like, let down your guard. Mm-hmm. You, know, you sometimes have to do something to get people, shake people, um, make them uncomfortable enough to share, but not so uncomfortable that they run away. Right. And so that I think that might be one of the reasons why we struggle with having a meaningful, intentional gatherings um, that really connect because there's a fear factor um, that you referred to a little bit ago, Andrew. But it's I know that if I run the small group leader gathering the way I have in the last, you know, years and years, people go away happy. They're fed. They're happy. They have the information they need for the semester. Um, but say I did try something more out of the box. Some people are going to love it. And some people might be like, no, I just, I like coming here, sitting here doing this. Um, so there is always a risk component and she's such an encourager. She's almost a cheerleader in the book. It's like, as you read it, you're journeying with her through this. And then she's like, come on, you can do this. There's this encouragement of, and she keeps saying over and over, it's worth it. Um, because we do want to get beneath the surface. I mean, you know, groups that have been together for years and yet know so little that actually affects people's hearts about their marriage, about their background, about their questions about God. And unless we get there sooner than later, hopefully, um, I feel like we don't serve our people well. Yeah. Yeah. So true. You know, and you, and, and it takes those little steps. We have to be careful. Like I mentioned before, like it's not a big step we need to always take. It can be just a small, subtle st- step, um, you know, and you don't have to throw out everything we've done, you know, because what, you know, you've done or I've done in the past with our trainings is good and it's met a need. Mm-hmm. How, can we, how can we tweak something right. this year so that people aren't repulsed, you know, or too scared, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, and she does a great job too of like, one thing that I didn't think of think of that really threw me off was like she talks about how like the event starts with the invitation. Mm-hmm. So like so often we think event the event starts as soon as I get up there and say, Hey, I want to thank everyone for coming out. That's today. true. It, it starts with the invitation and and so much goes into before that to get them prepped so that as soon as you do actually like hit your meeting time, like they know what the expectations are of mm-hmm. themselves and how to move forward from there. So. Yeah, that's actually a great point, too, with um, with our small groups. There was a time where we would hand out little cards that you could give to someone you're inviting to the small group. So it felt um, all the information would be on there, and it just kind of sent a tone of um, deliberate invitation. Like, we want you here. Look, we even have a card that we're giving you. Um, and for our context, um, that worked for a couple seasons, and then we stopped doing it. But we always encourage our new leaders, especially to meet your um, potent- future people that are coming to your group in the lobby. Talk to them af- before they show up in your living room, because that's really awkward and uncomfortable in our culture now to just show up like that. And so we, yeah. we've, you know, and I know people do it different ways, but 
we've have seen anecdotally that when the the leader has met the new person, at least had little FaceTime for just a few minutes, they are much more likely to show up and stick in that group than if they just got the name handed to them or they picked it themselves. And then, you know, then it's kind of, you know, whether they show up or not, it, we don't really know. It's it's harder to gauge the success of that connection, but that personal Hey, the, you know, I'm Nick, you know, nice to meet you. This is my group. Can't wait to see you there. Big smile. And they're so much more likely to show up. Yeah, for sure. And I was con- like with the invitation aspect, I was convicted too, because, you know, if I'm making a presentation or an, even just an announcement about small groups in my church, again, my tendency is to operate out of logistical issues. How mm-hmm. do you get signed up to be in a life group versus the invitation into the journey or the invitation into transparency or vulnerability and sharing, sharing that mm-hmm. versus here are the, you know, here are the steps to take to get to join. And again, those steps are good and Priya never minimizes the logistical necessities of a meeting. But if we start there, we lose our people, right. you know, that moment is ripe for taking. And so how do we take advantage of that and in inviting people versus just giving them a list of how to sign up. Right. That's a great point because I will all start needing to do promotions for the fall. And uh, you bring up such a good point because what gets said on the platform or on the website, whatever, is you know, we, the logisticals are necessary because we need to tell them how, but a lot of times I think the, the how becomes, comes ahead of the why. And the why is what moves people's hearts. There's so many different examples of gathering. Right. Um, and one of the things she loves to kill too is like etiquette, which I thought is very interesting <laughs> is like, what is the etiquette of our church and what, what are those etiquettes like need to die has been something I've been like hmm. chewing on of, of that, you know, we're not, we're unaware of. So that's a good one. The, she has a section and she talks about, um, the gathering should almost transport you to a different experience, like an alternate reality kind of thing. And it got me thinking about how most of our groups meet during the week. Um, and the really solid groups, um, that are doing life together, they feel like, oh, this is, this is the place I come to where I get to just relax and take a deep breath. I get to not be on my guard with about my faith or about just how I do life. Um, and it just is like an oasis, um, which I, I think that's kind of what she's talking about, where they're experiencing something so different that they don't get in their workplaces or in their neighborhoods. Um, and that really is community in the biblical sense of it, that we transport people into that experience. If the groups are just an extension where you show up you're with your, quote, best self, where you're just superficially interacting and checking off the box of, now I've been in a small group, therefore, you know, that's my spiritual checkbox, then we've just missed the boat. Mm-hmm. Or if we simply, you know, do the study without yes. in each other's hearts, you know. And again, not that Bible study is bad, but how, you know. We would all affirm we, that Bible study is good, yeah, Andrew. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, how do we, you know, move past just getting yes. through a checklist, you know. And that's hard for our people because, you know, my small group leaders are already working 40 plus hours a week. Mm-hmm. They're taking care of them, like, you know. And so, you know, my thoughts, you know, are swirling because of this book. But also, like, okay, how do I help them in what, what they needed most versus overwhelming them right. with, not, you know, more. And so that's where I can be always wrestle with is, you know, having worked in the secular world yeah. you know, outside yeah. of church and led a small group, I know how exhausting it is on your day off to lead a small group versus, you know, I'm now paid to do it. 
Um, you know, and so, like, you know, it's it's that frame of reference I'm trying to think through is how do I help my people grasp this vision without it feeling overwhelming? Yeah, that's a really good idea. So, like with anything you read, um, I think I usually, and even as I'm reading it, sometimes I'll just journal about it or I, I pray and go, okay, God, what's the, you know, two, three takeaways um, and when? I don't have to implement everything right mm. now. I mean, Nick, you're implementing some things related to your connection strategy. Um, I'm really thinking through for our leadership gathering. I want to make mm. that much more dynamic. I want them to walk away feeling like just that they've had. Um, they've been fed, they've had a good time, but there's just some nugget that now they're inspired in a way beyond just, I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I, that's a hard thing. I love the wisdom of what you said of, so what, is, what are my takeaways, but then the when. I don't think that's something that I do. I just assume that when is now. <laughs> yes, so, that's because like, you're young. You know when is always yeah. now for young people. Both of you are young. Here's <laughs> the voice of, of um, an aged wisdom is that you really can't do it all instantly. I have learned this in decades. And so pacing it, um, especially Andrew's point is really well taken. Our leaders are busy. Our, their lives are full. Um, and so part of our job as um, their spiritual leaders and small group directors and pastors is to pace it for them and say, hey, you're in this stage of your group right now the best thing to do let's if you're a brand new group let's focus on the invitation piece let's do that really well um and then or if you're a group that's been kind of superficially checking off the box and meeting but not really seeing transformational life then for them we say hey next meeting get really intentional use these cards do something to shake things up to change people's um, status quo when they arrive in your house Um, and then we help equip them with some of those tools and she does have a ton of examples so final yeah. thoughts. Um, now we, we've uh, run out of time, but final thoughts from um, each of you? Yeah. Uh, mine is just <laughs> that, like, it, this book is, as we talk about it, I just realized, like, it's deeper than you think it is because mm-hmm. it, it has application to so many areas of what we do. Um, and I think it's a great book that you can bond with another a person on your yes. staff with that I thought is really cool, a uh, cool part of it as well. And I'll just give you a warning. If you're an extrovert like myself, she gives you like a billion cool party ideas <laughs> that like, I feel like, man, I want to organize this dinner party. That sounds really cool. Like there's one example of one where like you can only talk to everyone at the table. You can't talk to someone that's to left yes. or right or across from you. Like I want to go to that party. Like she did, that was, so, that was interesting. She does have all those ideas. Um, yeah. how you mix it up, how you split up couples. Like I've done a parties and the couples always sit together. And she's like, you yeah. never see couples together. I was like, Oh, that would change yeah. things up. It's just I little love, conventions. There's ones too, where like, uh, what was the other one where like people don't know each other before they get there. So they're only first name. And so you don't know what they do for a living and you're not allowed to talk about work. And like, it was, it, there's just so many cool ideas that I'm just like, man, I'm going to do that next Friday. Like, <laughs> Go for it. And tell us how it turned out. Um, how yeah. about you, Andrew? Any final thoughts? I think it's really like how not to abdicate your responsibility mm. as the leader of a gathering. And that doesn't mean you have to go all out every time. What are those small steps that can sh- shed that veneer of control or power that people come into your group with and open their hearts to something mm-hmm. different? You know, and so even if it's just a simple question of following up with people, you know, can you explain more of how you felt during that event? Um, rather, you know, let's, let's strive towards that, you know, and, 
and really engage people on that heart level and ready them for what God has them next. Yeah, I love that. There's a sense of anticipation. Even as you pray, I mean, most of our leaders, hopefully, they pray before people come and pray as they prep. And I think I can use some of these tools to um, help people connect faster in more meaningful ways. So, um, Nick and Andrew, thank you so much for this conversation. And um, you can connect with um, with them on our Facebook group. All three of us are on our Facebook group a lot. Um, and that gathering is actually, it's, it's, you know, it's on social media, but it's a pretty meaningful gathering. People share some deep stuff in there as well as ideas. Um, and I just love seeing the variety of and the diversity of opinions and backgrounds. Um, so check them out on there if you want to talk to them further about that. Um, if you like this, this uh, our little experiment here with having a book discussion, um, give us a thumbs up when this airs and um, maybe we can do more of that. If you have a book that um, has spoken to you that helps you in your ministry, go ahead and post those on our small group page because um, I'd love to have other materials that help us uh, move the, the kingdom forward in our little little areas that we're responsible for. So thank you guys so much. And thank you, <laughs> and thank you for listening to Group Talk. We'll um, see you next time. Thank you, Carolyn, Nick, and Andrew for this fantastic episode. Before we go, have you checked out a huddle yet? Our small group network huddles are a great way for you to find small group point people in your area. Check out smallgroupnetwork.com slash huddles to find one near you. Can't find one near you? Consider starting one and getting to know other small group point people around you. We'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.